struts like John Wayne, resembles Jim Carrey, and dresses like he's visually impaired. Because he is Insight. Insight with Mark Farrell on the Progressive Radio Network. 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 Welcome to Jamaica, man. Well, yeah, that was pretty terrible. <laughs> Good Thursday morning to you. My name is Mark Farrell. The show is Insights on the Progressive Radio Network. Yes, it feels like another day in the tropics here. Actually, a touch cooler. When I say touch, the slightest of immeasurable difference. But it is still very, very humid. Anyway, it's a great day to be alive in summertime, alive in New York City, and alive wherever you are. Thanks so much for joining me. Got a great show coming your way. You're going to meet Elizabeth Keating. She's a personal finance expert for women and for everybody, but she specializes in women, like I used to specialize in before I found the love of my life. <laughs> She's a remarkable person, and how I met her was pretty remarkable as well. Very quickly, my daughter takes horse riding lessons. Yes, at a local barn right down the road, and we started talking. And I was like, wow, you got to come on the show. You have a great story. Anyway, I hope you're having a... A great summer so far. It really has been going fast, like life in general. I always say, once the 4th of July comes, like summer is like, gone. And I I hate to say that, but knock on wood, hopefully it goes very, very slow. When it's this hot, it actually feels like it slows time down. It reminds me of when I was a kid, the one and only time I went to summer camp. And it's, uh, it's a really fun story and... Just a great memory I had. I went to the New Jersey Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired's camp called Camp Marcella. And uh, my mother found out about this like a week before the camp was actually starting. And I was like, really? And I believe I was probably in maybe freshman summer going into sophomore year. And the funny part was I was pretty much the same age as the counselors, because of when we found out about it, I should have been in a younger camp that was offered earlier in the summer. But P.S. We didn't find out about it. So my mother's like, are you game? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. So it was in New Jersey and it was a camp for blind and visually impaired kids. And I'm sure with multiple disabilities as well. So here I am. I go to this camp. My mother drops me off. I'm like, OK, wow, it's cool. They got a lake, lots of activities. Let's get on it. And so um, I make some friends and uh, I mostly link up with the counselors because they are very close to my age, if not the same. And we have a good time. But a few things stand out to me that have left an indelible impression on me years and years later. One of them was we had to, well, we didn't have to. There was a talent show. And I guess I was placed with a counselor. Actually, this woman was older. Uh, Maybe she was all of like 25 back then. And she was like, what instrument do you play or what skill do you have? I was like, well, I ride motorcycles. I can work with my hands with carpentry. And and I don't know how this happened, but she's like, do you want to play the guitar? I was like, sure, let's give it a whirl. So P.S., in a matter of, I think, two days, she told me how to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Now, is this a musical feat? Am I a savant of any stretch of the imagination? Hell no. But it was cute, and I still play it to this day. And a neat part was that I focused, and I really became passionate about learning the song, you know, with no time flat. 
Um, and I got up on a stage in front of the entire camp, in front of the entire collective family, families, I should say, of all the campers on stage under the spotlight and played Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe that when I think about it. But it was hilarious. I actually, I, in my memory, I played it flawlessly. I think that's how it actually played out. But, um, you know, what, what a great way to teach confidence and resilience and fortitude and all those important things in life. And that's what we try to instill in our kids, right? And then it was a really uh, a fun goofball thing I did. Um, one rainy day, what are you supposed to do on a rainy day in camp? Well, of course, you bowl because every camp has a bowling alley, right? Well, I was really surprised about this. So they had one lane. And the pins, when they knocked over, fell over, you had to place them manually back in their position. So here we were. We'd sit at the end of the uh, lane, sitting up on a mat, because when the bowling ball came rolling down, it hit a mat and slowed down and stopped. And we would pick up the pins. So here I am, myself being visually impaired, with other uh, kids who were visually impaired and or blind. So it was literally like, you know, three blind mice. Why? I don't know. I, that analogy just came to me. <laughs> so it was literally like the blind leading the blind, literally. So I would stand up and the other person would stand up and we'd try to orient each other and place the pins in this template and uh, we made it work. But the funny thing is that I walked out of there with a trophy. I actually had a great game. I think, I think my game was like 120, 125. I mean, even for me as an adult, I think that's respectable because I never play. So I walked out of there with a trophy, and I'm such an ass because I had this trophy for years. And then when my mother sold our childhood house in probably, let's say, 2003-ish, I didn't take the trophy. I threw it out. And I kicked myself for that. Because it wasn't about my score. Is it ever about the score? Yeah, for some people. But for me, it was about, again, putting myself out there and trying something new and different. With or without a disability. That's what it is. That's what's involved in life. You know, trying something new. Change. Because failure is a part of life. The more you try, the more you may fail. But chances are, overall, in the end, the more successful you will be. Because you won't be intimidated and afraid and reluctant to make that leap, that change, that trial and effort that is just vital in all aspects of life. So I'm such an ass for throwing out that trophy. And what I did once years ago was I colored in my eyes with like a black Sharpie. Another ass thing I did. But anyway, it was a great experience. Oh, oh, there's one more cool thing about the summer camp experience. So I don't know whose idea this was. I think maybe it was a tradition back then. But one of the counselors was like, okay, we're going to do a raid tonight. I'm like, what do you mean a raid? They're like, well, we'll go into another camp um, cabin. I was like, I'm game. I'm down. So I don't know. It's like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And they're like, you ready? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I get out of my cot and I'm fumbling. And I mean, of course, it's hot. There's no air conditioning and everyone's like, you know, sweating. And I, I, I'm like, oh, I got to find a light. They're like, what for? I'm like, I can't see. And I turn on a light. They're like, I'm like, I'm ready. And they're like, well, 
we don't need the light. I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. Okay, sorry about that. My bad. So what we do was we form a human chain. <laughs> this is great. We form a human chain and we go to the cabin next door armed with pillows. And I guess we're as quiet as we can be because I don't know how quiet like 10 or 15 people forming a human chain carrying pillows in the middle of the night who are visually impaired and blind can be. But anyway, we did it. And we went in there swinging pillows like crazy. And maybe they expected it. They probably did. But it was a great time. So we walked away from that experience just laughing. And so between the uh, talent show, the bowling, and of course, some mischief, it led for a great camp experience. And this summer, uh, we didn't have my kids um, do camp because they were very reluctant. And, and that's not the real reason. But, you know, with the vaccinations just coming out and, uh, you know, just still things kind of uh, in a gray area. We just said, you know what? We just signed them up for a lot of uh, day camps or week camps. So it's not like one camp where they're there for, you know, six weeks or seven weeks. So it's like a STEM camp. Uh, one daughter's doing horseback riding for a couple of days here or something else. Art camp, you know, all that different stuff just to keep them busy. Because obviously, it's I think it's paramount, and of course, reading they got to read. If they want to have fun, they got to put it in their reading time because that's paramount. Also, wondering how did COVID change you? I imagine for the better, uh, and that's what we're going to focus on right now. I changed my habits. I can't say so much. I changed them. I maybe have increased my habits. Uh, fitness habits. Um, I expanded what I do at home because I didn't have a choice, but certainly still an avid cyclist. I'm out on my bike uh, four-ish days a week doing 30 miles or more. Um, so that is just a really a big mainstay in my life to stave off anxiety, just keep clear with work, my mind. Um, and it's just the best escape for me. So whatever your escape is, I hope you found something new during COVID or revisited something that worked for you in the past because, man, it's so important to have a release, whether it's a, a quiet release, maybe it's a release of rage, <laughs> whether you have a heavy bag. Oh, yeah, I, I hung up my heavy bag in my garage because I host a, a webinar for a few other companies, and most of them are interview-based, and I was interviewing a boxer. And so I do tease videos. So I did a tease video of me promoting this upcoming interview and I was boxing while I was doing the tease video. Obviously not filming it myself, but I was the subject. And anyway, it was like, oh yeah, I, I used to like boxing, hitting the heavy bag. I actually taught kickboxing uh, up until the pandemic. I would fill in, I should say. I was always teaching kickboxing. I'm sorry, spinning for years. I can't keep my classes straight. At 6 a.m., but uh, I don't think I'm going to go back to that. As a matter of fact, I got a letter in the mail the other day from the YMCA in Freeland saying, you are officially terminated. Well, I'm like, well, after I haven't worked there for a year and a half, I kind of gathered that. But anyway, I guess they have to do that officially because of uh, unemployment and all that jazz. But um, it was always a great release. But in terms of things and perspectives and habits and rituals, I think our family has grown tighter. 
I mean, we've always been a big sharing family. I think it's become even more so to the point where feelings, uh, emotions, desires, fears, all that stuff. And, that, and that's a great thing. Uh, but, you know, it's a new summer. And what I'm really, really elated to see, yes, last weekend was the 4th of July and the fireworks and the euphoria are great. But what really made the weekend for me was I was on the air every day. As a matter of fact, I was uh, on the uh, morning show for the last week and a half at this rock station I work at, uh, getting up at 3.45. Yeah, real party, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I was on the air for 11 days straight, and I was when I was driving through the neighborhoods last weekend, through a part of New Jersey called the Wall or Manasquan, uh, different areas, and I would see just like development after development with seas of cars. So people were having barbecues and picnics and pool parties, and I was like, wow, that's what really resonated with me. That's what made me happy. I was like, man, it is just great to see people back and living and celebrating and embracing life, man. That, of course, and the smells of the barbecues were really, really tantalizing. I haven't said tantalizing in a long time. Love that word. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to get to a great interview. So glad I met Libby. Libby is known as Elizabeth Keating, and she's a financial guru. And I believe you too will also dig what she does and how she does it and who she does it for. Elizabeth Keating, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love your words, quote, money is a value for what it buys, and in love it buys time, place, intimacy, comfort, and a private corner alone, end quote. Well, that actually wasn't me, but it was Mae West, but I put it right front and center on my website because um, I think that that is the point is when we have financial security, particularly women, we can make choices and make decisions that give our life more freedom. You know, I, I think that the human psyche places a lot of fear in the unknown and I think that's also very, very true, as you well know, in the world of finance. Absolutely. And I mean, you know what they say, the way to combat fear is with action. And that's a lot of the reason why I started this website is because so many women were coming up to me when I was working as a local news reporter and covering local businesses. And they would kind of whisper and say, wait, so what is my 401k? And we're smart. Women are smart. We need the confidence to just go out and take action and take control of our financial future. I mean, there was a study at Berkeley Haas School of, Bu of Business that women tend to be better at behaving in ways that lead to long-term investing success. And in their study of 30,000 single male and female investors, they found that women's portfolios performed 1.4% better than men's. Wow. So we can do it. We just need the confidence to go out and do it. If Elizabeth's voice sounds familiar, it's because she's been on multiple platforms in the area, including uh, News One in New York. And I loved always watching you on News One because I think it's a great channel. And I love the fact that you can get it in New Jersey. But I mean, that gives you a lot of credibility and of course, a lot of resources. And you started in the world of general assignment, meaning that you cover a lot of different topics. What was it initially that drew you into the specificity of finance? Well, as a reporter at New York One, you know, you're 
kind of assigned whatever is going on. Um, but you also get the opportunity to enterprise. And as I was able to do more stories on business and particularly women in business, I just found it so fascinating that there are so many amazing women in business in New York and globally. And then I was made aware by, you know, colleagues and um, other women friends that there is a lack of financial education for women. And I really felt that this was a way that my reporting could help people is by educating women on financial tips and how to take control of their financial health. When women feel that they're uninformed, does that run a gamut from like a micro, I don't know how to make investments to, I'm not really sure how to interpret a bank statement. I mean, it runs the gamut. And when I work one-on-one with clients, it always starts as an emotional issue. For example, um, one client of mine, you know, is dependent on her parents. She's in her 30s. This causes her a lot of emotional stress because her parents hang it over her head that, you know, we'll, we'll take away the money. We'll stop the money. Um, another woman I've worked with is in, you know, she's in her 60s, but she's in a relationship that is not good for her and not what she wants. And she wants to leave, but she's scared because she's never handled her finances. So really starting with the basic education of making a budget, having an emergency savings account, and then moving forward to investing. It gives these women the power to make these choices in their lives that ultimately will make them happier and healthier overall. And in life, I think for the most part, um, I know myself and I, I get the sense you are too, Elizabeth Keating, independence is key, it's valuable. And to have that acumen to be financially independent and to interpret whether you're going to make investments or just live a informed life is invaluable, especially the timing of the Me Too movement, the the era of women being empowered. And I'm so, so happy that this time has come. It's been so, so long. And obviously we have a long way to go, but seeing more women as CEOs and leaders and certainly broadcasters, successful broadcasters, and starting businesses where the ripple effects and concentric circles are really, really generating a lot of traction and attention is phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, we're speaking up, we're making choices, you know, we're not going to be told what to do anymore. And financial health is a major part of that, of taking charge of your happiness. Probably a lot of people, uh, women we're focusing on today, realize that they're probably not feeling as independent as they would and should not having this skill set. I think absolutely. And, you know, what's great is when I work with women, oftentimes they start and they're so overwhelmed. Oh my gosh, I'll never get out of this. I'll never be in control. And really when we sit and write down a budget, every time they say, oh, okay, it's not that bad. (laughs) It's just like facing your fears, writing it out in black and white. That's, you know, what do they say when you put when you put an idea to paper it becomes a goal mm. and that's the same with taking control of your financial health and making a budget all the women i work with say 
oh, wow, okay, this isn't so bad. I mean, it can be something as simple as one of my clients has an irregular income. She's making, you know, X amount one month and then six times that amount the next month. Okay, so when she's having those months of high income, that doesn't mean she can splurge. We set up a system where she is giving herself a salary, which is exactly the same every month so that she's able to weather those months when she's not making as much as other months. And that's a great point, Elizabeth Keating, because in this wild roller coaster ride that we're experiencing, that we can safely say post pandemic, that a lot of people's incomes were fluctuating a great deal. And of course, with the um, checks that we're getting from the government, uh, stimulus checks and newfound freedom, I think it's going back to the psyche. I, I think it's people's urge to say, you know what? Hey, I'm going to go live and splurge, which is good. But, you know, as a financial planner and a woman who um, obviously is done well for herself, what are your words of advice for, for women specifically who have something in place, a template, a spending allocation, um, financial plan, and those who don't? to be able to let themselves live a little bit and it should be via cash or should it be on the credit card? I know there was a lot well, there. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, there's a lot of good stuff there, Mark. I think if the, you know, pandemic showed us anything, it's that we need an emergency fund because what is certain is uncertainty. So I think that's been a priority for a lot of women I worked with, I work with is getting that emergency fund and just having that peace of mind that, you know, if you get furloughed, you can survive for a couple of months. Um, now we're, you know, we seem to be coming out of it. I'm, you know, in New Jersey, basically all mandates are lifted. It's pretty much back to normal here. Um, and people are going out and having fun. And I think that that is a good thing to do. You want a budget that is manageable. So many times you hear in financial advice, oh, if you didn't buy the latte every day, you know, guess how much you'd have? Well, you know what? If the latte makes you happy, then budget for that. Have a category in your budget that is for personal entertainment experiences that bring you joy. You know, if you're, if you have a saving goal, but you're not able to enjoy your latte or you're not able to socialize with your friends, that budget is not going to be sustainable. After a couple of months, you're going to be miserable. And you're, you know, what's the point of that? We need to live. We need to have a good time. We just need to prioritize. You know, we're not going to get to do every trip or every, have every treat, but by categorizing that and prioritizing for those things, we still can essentially splurge because we have a splurge category in our budget. And I imagine that we should probably do this in increments because a lot of people were updating their homes during the pandemic because, you know, this has become our oasis, our Eden. Of course, I thought mine always was because this is the nucleus of my family. And, and I always say to my family, well, a house is materialistic and our home is always wherever we are. But of course, we were here for the last 16 months or so. So people were doing that. But I imagine it would make good sense just to do things in, in slow paced, methodical, rolled out situations because we don't want to get into credit card debt just because pandemic has lifted. 
Absolutely. We don't want to have what's called revenge spending. Oh, like, I love that. The pandemic is over. <laughs> okay, let's book every trip. That's, yes. you know, woo, let's go crazy. I mean, we don't want to do that. I think what the pandemic has taught a lot of people is we do enjoy being home and it is nice to spend time with our family. And I know personally for me, you know, a lot of my socializing revolved around going out to dinner, but during the pandemic, we couldn't do that. And I found that I had so many friends that loved hiking or, you know, loved doing other things in nature. And so I want to continue that in my repertoire of social activities of, you know, Hey, instead of lunch, why don't we meet for a hike? You know, you get a workout, you get fresh air, awesome mental clarity. And, you know, it doesn't need to all be about consumption and stress. We can combine our social activities to be relaxing and do a lot of the things that we did in the pandemic and incorporate them into our lives now more experience items. And for the most part, what you just mentioned are typically free for the most part. Absolutely. I mean, we've discovered so many cool free things Yeah. in the pandemic, right? So many people got into baking. I mean, you've got to buy your supplies and your ingredients, but you know, so many people found ways to do outdoor activities or, you know, I know a lot of people, especially in this area discovered kayaking and other things that are right in the back door that, you know, we kind of just didn't notice. And full disclosure, we had the pleasure of meeting at a local barn, a farm that's right down the road from where I live in New Jersey, because my daughters always had an interest in horses. So I said to myself and my wife, well, what a better time to expose our children to new things and especially an animal. So it was, it was great that you were out there uh, living and being free and embracing what you love to do as well. Absolutely. I mean, I have uh, loved horses since, you know, I was younger than your daughter and it's just great. I've lived in the city for so many years and I met Nancy who owns the barn and it's just so nice in New Jersey that we have farmland and, I'm able to go, you know, spend time at my friend Nancy's farm and see her horses. And I, I tell her, I'm like, your place is like days Fairy of tale. our lives, yeah, yeah. like, like sands through the hourglass, you know, <laughs> so are the days of Nancy's farm. Like her pi- a pig runs over from next door. Um, but yeah, I've always loved animals. I have two rescue dogs. So um, I'm just grateful that, you know, I have a friend in the area. Sounds like you have a good heart. This is Insight on the Progressive Radio Network. My name is Mark Farrell. My guest is Elizabeth Keating. She is the founder of FundsSavvy.com. And speaking of horseback riding, it all began for you in Malibu, California. You're a West Coaster. And your parents were divorced for you at a kind of young age, 11. Um, so back then, were was the environment of finance spoken about? Or is it something that most families just do uh, parentally and private? It was not spoken about much in when I was growing up. It was actually, I was told it was tacky to talk about money. And um, I think there is an element of that. You don't go up to somebody you just met and say, so what's your salary? But, you know, talking about money in terms of managing it and having a plan is essential. 
especially I think for my wife and I are very transparent. Of course, not the big picture of, you know, how much we have for, with our kids, 11 year old and eight year old. But I think it's also uh, important to plant the seed of things cost, life costs money, the mortgage, uh, the gas we put in a car, horse lessons, uh, you name it. There's no end of the cost of living every day. We're sitting here, there are lights on over my head in my studio that we're paying for and same for you as well. And for a lot of people working at home or the businesses where you're sitting at. So the reality is to give kids, especially for your particular lens uh, in a macro sense, Elizabeth Keating, when you're trying to improve the acumen of women for fundsavvy.com, your website, that it should also start with their youth as well. So as they're learning, they can also impart this information because kids should have a good fundamental financial literacy, which my daughter, who's in third grade, is actually experiencing right now. We talk about credit card interest, bills, allocation, et cetera. And this is part of the curriculum, which I love to see. So I imagine this is something that you would embrace. Absolutely. I mean, I actually did a really fun activity with my nephews. Um, they love baseball. So I gave them each a baseball piggy bank for Christmas last two years ago. And I said, okay, listen, guys, whatever is in that piggy bank next Christmas, I'm going to match. Oh, what so, a great aunt. So they got so excited and one of them picked up, you know, mowing lawns in the neighborhood. Then his brother was helping him. They picked up babysitting. They picked up all these odd jobs and they were so excited. I mean, when I saw them, you know, we had a socially distanced Christmas last year. I mean, they were like, oh, guess what we have, you know, and it, it and it was fun. And it, I think so many times money has this negative connotation mm. and starting young, as you mentioned, and making it fun and making it a game, you know, can put a positive spin on it and make us all more comfortable to talk about it. And the habit of understanding money at a very young age, I think is vital. Absolutely. Because it's ingrained. It's not something like how many of us, like when I was younger, uh, I didn't know anything about sugar. My mother was a nurse, God bless her, 95 years of age. But, you know, we were downing sugar like it was crazy. Like it was, you know, no problem whatsoever. So not that I had to pay a heavy price in life, but you have to learn that as you get older, oh, 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 a diet? Oh, 2000 calories a day. What is, you know, wrap your head all <laughs> around this. So we put all this hopefully ahead of the curve. And I think a diet, a financial diet, and a literal diet of what your intake is to feed your body. Because when you feed your body properly, you can think better, you can process better, you can save better, you can make more informed decisions better. Absolutely. I mean, my grandmother was using Crisco, you know, so I had to learn about a regular diet and a financial diet. There you go. And there um, you go. I mean, speaking of their mentality, you know, they lived through the depression. So they really had a fear of banks. And I remember when my grandfather passed um, my mom's dad and they were going through his things, they found tons of socks stuffed with money, just wow. like in drawers mm. and, you know, it, hidden in different places because they didn't trust the banks. Before the and, FDIC was invented. And so... Exactly. And so, you know, we've all, we all go through these life experiences that sort of shape our 
feelings about money. I mean, we all just went through a pandemic. So I imagine a lot of people have a lot of fear as well. But I also have seen that so many people use that opportunity to start businesses, to change the things they're doing in their businesses, to offer more services. Um, I love seeing all the outdoor dining in New York that is not going away, mm, hopefully. Yeah. Um, we've got all this, you know, all these great outdoor activities in the city. So, you know, I, I think these situations also, you know, can create a renaissance of sorts in business and finance and Absolutely. industry. An opportunity and growth uh, on many different levels. Now, was this the same grandparent who after had six children, she launched a business? Yes. So my mother's mother, my my grandmother, she had six children and she decided that she was going to start her own business. And she started a business in the beauty industry. She went to the small business association, took free classes. She was always a fan of utilizing free resources, which are still great today, like the library. Um, they have, you know, free classes at the library. Small business association now has score, which um, I work with quite a bit. And SCORE offers entrepreneurs uh, free mentors and they have very inexpensive webinars. And, you know, there's a ton of resources out there that can help people achieve their dreams like she did. Was that a vital component for you to learn as a young woman and also for your mom, the daughter of your grandmother, to see a woman who's so empowered after obviously in a totally different generational time that was extraordinarily odd for someone to work, number one, start their own business, and thirdly, after having six children. Absolutely. I mean, all the women in my family, I've had really excellent role models as far as a very strong work ethic. My uh, mother's mother, you know, started the beauty business after having six kids. My uh, father's mother was a reporter with the Wall Street Journal. And, you know, as even though she was a stay at home mom, you know, she continued entrepreneurship as far as working in philanthropy mm. and uh, fundraising. And she was involved in a lot of community causes. My mother still works. She um, jokes every year. We're like, oh my God. She says, I'm going to retire this year. But every year she doesn't. So um, for her. Maybe, maybe this year she, she claims she's going to this year, but um, you know, I've always had really great examples of women who worked really hard. Don't take no for an answer and, and resourceful, you know, I mean, again, my, my grandmother, my mother's mother didn't um, you know, she had six kids and she just figured it out by going to the small business association and just doing whatever it took to be able to launch her business. Outstanding. It seems like your mom, walked in her shoes as well, because as a single parent, um, I don't know how old your other siblings were, but I mean, that's a lot of responsibility because uh, again, uh, not knowing all the details, she was married, I'm sure for multiple years. And then having this independence, a lot of it can be very fearful. And of course, the financial independence, the literacy aspect, obviously um, that fueled you to either emulate her or to learn more than she did at her age. Well, I definitely saw, you know, when my parents divorced and my mother was suddenly on her own working and um, with three kids, my youngest brother was just a baby, that it was all very overwhelming. 
and she has an extremely hard work ethic, but work and working hard is just one part of it. I saw that you needed to have a plan. And once she got over the fear of asking for help and she did go to a professional, everything, you know, got in control again. But I do remember, you know, being young and we kind of had to remind her like, hey, we need to put in the check for soccer or, you know, we, we kind of had to like stay on everything as kids. Um, and I really think that, you know, she had an extremely hard work ethic, but suddenly being alone and not having a plan with your finances can be really scary. But once she took control and saw a professional, you know, it was like everything was just smooth sailing. And um, she's, you know, one of the people that I admire the most. Fantastic. I imagine the word spreadsheet must give people chills right up their spine because <laughs> it's daunting. Because number one, if you're talking about finances, that can be daunting. Um, and then spreadsheet because technophobes. So um, when you are working with clients and educating women about being more financially literate, um, how do you incorporate this? And does everything have to take place digitally? No, it, it absolutely doesn't. I mean, I some people want to just write out their budget and that's fine. Um, you know, I mean, it's whatever you're comfortable with. There are tons of apps and uh, different programs that make managing your money a lot easier, but that's not for everybody. And if you want to just, you know, keep a notebook, I mean, I would keep a copy too, but you know, if you want to keep a notebook and, and writing it down is better for you, I think as long as you're being dedicated and you're, you're keeping to your budget, however you want to do it is fine. What about saving for the future? Again, when you, I think people are so daunted. Yes. Okay. We don't have a financial plan. And then they're afraid to figure out what they're going to discover or what they have been thinking for the last 10, 15, 20 years comes true. They don't have enough finances for their children to go to college or so they think. Well, again, I think it's about prioritizing and first and foremost, you know, as we saw during the pandemic, we all need that emergency fund, but um, it's important to, you know, start now. And if sending a kid to college is a financial goal, you know, there's a lot of options with that. There's a lot of financial aid, there's grants, there's scholarships. I think being exposed to information and exploring all avenues um, can really give people the power to achieve their financial goals. What about one of your clients that you can share with us, Elizabeth Keating, about uh, maybe someone who is very, very daunted and now is like the polar opposite. They're like, oh my God, I am so empowered. I have all this information. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm planning to do, et cetera, et cetera. How much that must fuel you and be like, yes, I certainly made the right choice to launch fundssavvy.com. Well, honestly, everyone I work with, it's so rewarding because mm -hmm. I mean, even in the first session, people always say, oh, it's not as scary as I thought. Um, it's not I, like going to the dentist, please. <laughs> no, it's not like going to the dentist. And I think so many women are discovering that the power is actually in themselves and they just need to be shown what the opportunities and resources are. For example, one of my clients, didn't know that her employer is offering matching with her 401k. So in our first meeting, I said, you know, make a, an appointment with HR 
and go over what your benefits are. And there were a lot of benefits that she wasn't taking advantage of. And, you know, so at 25 years old, she's already ahead of the game saving for retirement. And that was, that was there. That was already an option for her. It just needed to be, to be highlighted. And, you know, now she feels like, okay, I'm on my way. Um, it's not this unattainable thing. Mm. I can start and I've got all these resources available to me that can help me save for retirement. We've all heard about this. We see it on the television. We hear it about on the radio, the importance of knowing your credit score. Um, what are the, there are, I believe, two sources that are free and how often should you check those annually? Well, you're, you're entitled to your credit report once a year from the three credit bureaus. If you are denied credit, you are also entitled to a copy of your credit report. Um, several people I've worked with have improved their credit in two to three months. Wow. I mean, oftentimes there's items on there that are incorrect that you just need to call in mm. and, and fix. There's um, sometimes things you didn't even know you had, uh, maybe like a medical bill that went to the wrong address and you never got it. And it happens you know, all the time. It's a hundred dollars. And once you pay it, the payment is satisfied. Um, I think again, you know, facing the music and really seeing what the truth of the situation is always makes people feel like it's not as bad. And there's a lot of options now for improving your credit score. I mean, you can do prepaid credit cards, you can do um, debit cards, you know, where you load up funds on the card beforehand. Um, some credit agencies are even accepting like streaming payments for Netflix as, um, as your credit record. So it doesn't have to be a car payment. It doesn't have to be a mortgage. There's a lot of things that you can do to start improving your credit. And with several people I've worked with, it doesn't take as long as you think. For people who are living without much wiggle room on a monthly basis, would you recommend for them to leave the credit cards at home for a while when you go out? So if you have a tendency to live in a moment, this way you'll have to use cash. If no cash, then no experience. Well, I like to recommend to people who, um, you know, maybe tend to splurge with their credit cards is the envelope system. So the envelope system is where you take out your cash for your monthly budget and you have envelopes and you designate on each one. This is for rent. This is for my electric bill. This is for groceries. This is for eating out. And once the cash is gone from the eating out envelope, you don't get to take it from the rent envelope and go out to dinner again. So that system I know works for a lot of people who sort of see the credit card as not real. Other people who are more comfortable with their credit cards, uh, I would recommend paying off the entire balance right away, not waiting and go, oh my gosh, the end of the month, whoa, whoa. oh, that happened? Um, so there's a lot of techniques and systems that we can incorporate if people feel that, you know, they're a little too free with the credit card. One word comes to mind with that great illustration of the envelopes, deforestation, because all the bills, I think I'd have so many envelopes. Oh my <laughs> Lord. That's incredible. What about, um, 
with in terms of uh, finances, with understanding family, love, and friendship, loaning money out, because this is something I'm hearing a lot of nowadays, because people are just short of money. And it's a risk. It's absolutely a risk. I mean, first of all, I think communication is key in a relationship, in a family, you know, really talking about what is possible Mm, and what the budget is. I mean, I think it's great, especially like for kids to have it explained, you know, if you say, oh no, you can't take guitar lessons. Well, it's not because we don't want you to, and we don't think you're going to be good, but look, guitar lessons cost this much. You know, it's not in our budget. Um, As far as lending money to friends, I mean, that's a slippery slope. I think if you're going to lend money to a friend, you probably should expect you're not going to get it back. And if you're comfortable going into that situation, then go for it. But you certainly don't want to get into a situation where you're then hounding your friend and it's uncomfortable and, you know, it leads to a breakdown in the relationship. So I think just consider money lent to a friend, a gift. Elizabeth Keating, do you ever feel like a psychotherapist when speaking to clients? Because a lot of people buy things for emotional needs and voids. And it's your job to say, ho, 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 let's, let's pull it back here a little bit here. You don't really need that. And I imagine there's countless stories where you realize that your clients realize that, you know what, I don't need all these materialistic things that really aren't making me happier. I think that's, again, one thing we really learned in the pandemic is Mm. that we don't need, we don't need so much. And absolutely. When, you know, you're buying things to fill a void, you think, oh, if I go on this trip, I'm going to be happy. If I put a pool in my house, I'm going to be happy. If I, you know, get this car, I'm going to be happy. If I buy this dress, I'm going to be happy. It always just leads to disappointment. And I think it's important for people to really get to the root of why am I trying to fill my life with these things? Because it really just, you know, I say it just leaves people with a financial hangover and you don't feel good about yourself and you don't, you don't even want to wear the thing you bought and, you know, or maybe you ordered it online and by the time it comes, you don't even like it. (laughs) So it's so common. I, I recommend to people, you know, put something in your cart online and sleep on it. Take a day, take two days. If you really want to go back and get that, you know, a bonus item, not something that's essential that, you know, not like toothpaste, but if you're buying an item that's, that's, you know, extra, put it in your cart, step away, think about it. Do you still want it 48 hours later? You know, maybe, maybe not. And what about taking that credit card off file on that particular cart? This way it can hang out there, but then you may have to go get the physical card to input the information later. So it's not a complete impulse buy. That's a great tip. I mean, I, I don't know, like, I know so many of my girlfriends, they shop online in bed and then they go, Oh, I have to get up and get the credit card. And then they never (laughs) follow through with it, you know, and they've got this cart. And that's a good thing because if you have to make the effort to get up and get the credit card, you know, maybe you really want it. Mm. Now I imagine as a financial planner, a woman who has many, many experiences and resources, Elizabeth Keating, you probably don't support gambling. Um, you know, I think that's a 
that's a very personal thing. If, exactly. If people, you know, have a gambling addiction, that's a real problem that people need to get help for. I'm raising my hand right um, now. This is not uh, TV, so I'm raising my hand so my <laughs> guests can see that. I want to confess here on radio my commitment to gambling. I spend $2 a week, Elizabeth Keating. I feel better now. I feel so much better. And you know That's why? awesome. You're going to appreciate this because I told my daughter, we were talking earlier about this. She wants a horse. And oh. so I said, horses are expensive. There are a lot to it besides just the actual time and energy. Um, but if we win the lottery, see where this is going? that I will certainly buy you a horse and maybe buy you a farm, depending on what lottery and how sizable it is. So guess who okay. has me going to the store weekly to buy lottery tickets? <laughs> okay, well, as long as that, you know, as you're keeping in your budget, I mean, if it's fun, look, if it's fun and, you know, it's lighthearted. It's great. Gambling can be fine. I mean, yeah. People like to go to Las Vegas and see a show and, you know, play a couple of tables and sure, a couple of a slots. Okay. But if it's, you know, six in the morning and you've been there all night and, you know, you're like, you keep heading to the ATM, you know, then maybe take a step back. Maybe maybe take a step back. Yeah. Then you have to put on your psychotherapist hat again. Fundsavvy.com. That's plural. F-U-N-D-S. Founder Elizabeth Keating, thank you so much. The final invitation for people, what would you say is the main reason they should come visit your site? Free educational tools on how to take control of your financial health. Well, that says it all. Thank you so much for your time and keep shining on all that you do, all the contributions that you do. Uh, people see you all over uh, television, uh, producing segments and writing and hosting for Fortune, Time, MSN, and Market Watch. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you, Mark. It was really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, see what I mean? Elizabeth Keating is awesome. And she rocks, her grandmother rocks, and her mother rocks. No surprise, man. She comes from a great lineage of strong, powerful, courageous, and insightful women. The show is Insight on the Progressive Radio Network. My name is Mark Farrell, talking about all kinds of things summer-related. And the other day... I had the opportunity to host a great event in Trenton, New Jersey. Trenton Thunder is a farm uh, baseball league. It's AAA, I believe. And I forget what major team it's for. Hmm. Anyway, the New Jersey Commission for the Blind and Visually Impaired um, obviously serves New Jersey and all the residents who are blind, visually impaired, and or uh, deafblind, and or multiple disabilities. And I have the good fortune of being on the board there and annually, they have an event at the Trenton Thunder, which is the farm team at the Trenton Thunder Baseball Park. And um, unfortunately, with COVID, it was canceled. So I was like, well, wait a minute. So this is the annual event where kids, students receive scholarships and certainly recognition. That's the most powerful thing in front of a packed house. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, and it can't happen. They're like, nope. Trenton Thunder said no understandably. So I said, well, we got to make this happen. I said, how about if we do it virtually? They're like, huh? I was like, yeah, let's do it virtually. So let's imagine this. So I'll go out on the field, center field or by third base or the pitcher's mound. They probably wouldn't want me on the pitcher's mound, but I'm, I'm game. So I'll go out there with a mic, 
Because part of the fun of being in a stadium, I think a lot of it is when, you know, if you're being honored is to hear your name echoing, reverberating through the halls and stadium uh, bowels of like, hello, 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 hello. You know, this is the greatest, greatest, greatest day, day, day of my life, 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 life. <laughs> Famous quote. I love that. Um, and, and that's the part of it. That's very, very fun. So I said, listen, let's go out there. I'll host it. We'll do the scholarship awards and it'll all be filmed and we can play it back online. And they're all like, wow, that's great. We'll ask Trenton Thunder. So, of course, Trenton Thunder said, yes, we'd love the idea. So they said, uh, come on down. We made the date. And so um, I was going to speak, introduce a bunch of people. And Kaylee Brendel is a CBVI student. And she actually is from uh, the town I live in now. And she just graduated. And she is a powerhouse, supremely talented, just smart as a whip, wants to be a lawyer. She's going to the uh, uh, Villanova, I believe, uh, law school track. And um, she's a powerhouse. She sang the national anthem sang take me out to the ball game as a matter of fact kaylee's going to be on the show we haven't set on a date yet but i i definitely want to book kaylee because she is just remarkable anyway so she set the tone for the day and it was just an incredible incredible event so we get there and on the way there there's a one road there uh called 195 it is pouring like you would not believe and i'm like oh man i can't believe Okay, events canceled. So I get there. They're like, no, we, we moved you inside to a beautiful suite that overlooked the field. And I went up there. I'm like, wow, this is nice. But I, I didn't want to sound, I don't know, not grateful. But I was like, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is not what I was envisioning. And this won't translate well because this looks like a boardroom that's attached to a stadium. So I said, how about if we roll this podium outside this glass door that overlooks the stadium. And they're like, okay, cool. I'm like, oh, yes. So I go out there with a microphone. And I brought my daughter, who's eight. And I'm like, test the microphone. She's like, hello, 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 hello. There's the reverb again. <laughs> I'm like, because that was a powerful component to this. So we go out there. And I'm like, all right, we can make this work. I said to the camera crew, can you make this work? So they stayed inside, but they shot through the open door. And it worked until it started to rain. And my notes that contained all the biographies of all the recipients for the awards started to smear. I'm like, okay, we got to go. They're like, what? I'm like, just go. Just roll. Let's go. So I started off by saying, hey, welcome. There's nothing like being in a stadium with the smells and the sounds and the euphoric feeling. And it was great. So um, they did a nice job putting it together. And I believe all the recipients obviously were informed that it was online and they can watch it. And good for them because their names were put on the Megatron that was behind over my shoulder. Actually, I should, I'll put this on the, the Insight uh, archive page so you can take a look at it. So it was a great event. Uh, and it was just nice to see that, number one, that these kids, these hardworking students can get the recognition they deserve. And more importantly, that from COVID, I think so many things are going to be seen in a different light. From a creative perspective, from a fundamental, from a financial and fiscal, because why do things or not do things because of that's not the way things were done? Ah, if there's one line in life that just gets under my skin is that 
well, that's not the way we've done things. Well, that doesn't mean it's right or a better as or a better aspect or idea out there, right? I mean, it's such a very archaic and complacent way of thinking. Anyway, so I'm really, really glad that um, a lot of industries are revolutionizing the way they do business. And um, in my business as a speaker, as a presenter, as an MC, as a host, um, there, there's like the, the sky's the limit. As a matter of fact, um, I just got invited to go out to Denver, Colorado a couple weeks ago to host uh, for a client an all-day music festival called Shine Music Festival. As a matter of fact, Sean, the founder and executive director of this music festival, was a guest on my show a couple months back. And she's like, Mark, we want to have you out there. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. So we're going to go out there and spend a week's vacation after hosting this all-day, incredible, phenomenal music event for persons with disabilities. It's an entirely accessible, no-barriers music summit. Free, totally free, because... Obviously, with the 55 million persons with disabilities in the United States, money can be a barrier for anybody, especially in the wake of COVID. So I'm really, really happy to be a part of that. Uh, but more importantly, going back to my point, um, was that um, it's great to see people reinventing aspects of business, reinventing how they live socially, how they interact with people, just being very, very clever. And I love it. So I hope your summer is shaping up to be a good one. You know, um, don't live in fear. Be careful. Live life. Take your calculated risk, however you see fit. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people have suffered long enough. Um, yeah, it's a new summer. Uh, embrace it. Um, you know, try new things. Uh, we're going to try to rent a camper. And um, going out to Denver is very, very cool. And really just, um, even just last night, uh, I had to do something for work down the shore. So I said to my wife and kids, hey, why don't you meet me after? I made a, a dinner. So we, I packed a cooler. What I did is I, I made like this, you know, I, I don't, I'm don't, i sure there's a name for it, but pasta salad. And I just made boiled pasta and put in some small pieces of mozzarella, some cherry tomatoes and some fresh basil and, and brought a bottle of um, balsamic vinaigrette. And we sat there on the beach in four chairs in Asbury Park at 7.30 at night. And had a great dinner watching the Atlantic crash. The ocean just roar and the foam and the smells and the people and the music. It was just great. It was sheer perfection. Didn't have to spend a lot of money. Didn't have to spend a lot of time. And it was just perfection. Hey, thanks so much for spending another day with me. Greatly appreciate it. Let's do it again real soon. My name is Mark Farrell. Gary Knowles next. Keep living and laughing, my friends. Have a great day. Insight with Mark Farrell. Check out this and all Insight shows on the Insight page at prn.fm. prn.fm. Have Mark speak at your company, your kid's school or college. Mark speaks on critical topics that affect kids and adults everywhere, from anti-bullying, mental health, drugs and alcohol, to overcoming adversity. Visit markfarrellmotivation.com for more info. Insight, Thursday mornings at 11 on the Progressive Radio Network. Network.